Welcome to All About Blockchain. We're showcasing the work of scholars funded by the University Blockchain Research Initiative, Ubri. Ripple founded Ubri in 2018 with a 50 million philanthropic gift towards global university partners. Our goal is to accelerate understanding, innovation, and adoption in blockchain. And to find out more about this, you can go to ubri.ripple.com. This show gives a voice to those academics developing real world use cases that solve for today's challenges. My name's Lauren Weymouth, and I'll be your host. I got to meet Dr. Andrew Kershid about a year and a half ago. I was newly on the Ubri team at Ripple and got to visit him on campus at Dell Medical School, took an amazing tour of the state-of-the-art facilities and got to sit down in your office and was pretty blown away by the project that probably at that time you just started to embark on, right? It was about 18 months ago and how you were actually working on something that immediately could affect a population in Austin, Texas. And that to me set off bells of hooray. I I can really wrap my brain around this and this is an exciting project. And I was so excited when you spoke last year at our academic convening, Uber Connect. So we are so excited to have you on our Uber podcast, All About Blockchain Today. You're a medical doctor and a director of data integration at Dell Medical School. And I would love for you to just kind of introduce yourself with the background in population health health information technology. What got you started in blockchain? Well, thank you, Lauren. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for this opportunity to share some of our work, uh, which we are very excited about. I started my career as a, as a physician in a developing country you know, where I was motivated to address health systems problems, broader health systems problems. And this led me to pursue a higher education in the United States. And I got into the field of health informatics during the 90s, you know, during the internet boom, and uh, was fascinated by the applications of information technology to improve patient care as well as health systems. So that passion has has led me to a career of over 20 years now working in the fields of health IT and population health. And I've set up health information exchanges, clinical data research platforms, developed digital applications to promote health, also served at the federal level on health IT policy making and then data infrastructure for research. So as a result, my work spans local to the national level. What drew me to blockchain, I think, was that so I was involved in the great strides that you know have been made in the digitization of medical records, you know, during the last decade or so, but also keenly aware of the challenges in accessing the right information at the right time for optimal patient data, because digitization does not solve all the problems. It only converts what was previously paper records into electronic. And I'm also a big believer in individuals having control over their own data. And I feel that the healthcare system has failed to deliver on that aspect specifically, despite obviously significant efforts in that regard. So I saw blockchain as a technology that could possibly help in solving that problem. Yeah, and it definitely validates blockchain when a recognized leader such as yourself starts to look at it and incorporate it into your work. So how did you go about learning about blockchain to see how it could be applicable to your work? Yeah, and that's a, actually, that's an interesting story on how I was introduced to this, because like many other people, I think in my field, I had heard of blockchain, you know, knew something about it, but mainly in relation to Bitcoin and cryptocurrency, which even today, when you talk about blockchain, a lot of people just related directly to cryptocurrency. And the ups and downs of, in the story of Bitcoin, you know, especially early on, that would one read from the news just showed that it was um, 
you know, kind of very early, unstable technology platform. So we didn't really take that very seriously in terms of finding solutions. Then two things happened simultaneously. First, we started working with the city of Austin, their Office of Technology Innovation, to think about improving coordinated services to people experiencing homelessness. So that was a project they had been doing for a while. And as director of data integration from a new medical school in Austin, I was uh, asked to help with that. But the second thing was that I heard a talk during South by Southwest, which is you know an event that happens in Austin every year, on the use of blockchain technology to provide transaction identity to refugee populations and small farmers in developing countries, which was fascinating because I realized that the plight of refugees and some of these small farmers in developing countries is, is not very different from the homeless in America who are highly mobile, often do not have documents uh, needed to apply for various social programs, are not integrated into the existing systems of credit or medical records or social services in any like stable form. So let, this led to then our first pilot program with the city of Austin, which was to explore the use of blockchain technology for providing kind of these transactional identity to persons experiencing homelessness and to coordinate various medical records and social services for them. So you've already explained how you saw it being used for the refugee population and the translation of how it could be used for the homeless in Austin. Were there any other commercialized blockchain applications that kind of inspired you or that you've seen along the way that you've taken note of? As we actually learned more about the characteristics of blockchain technology, because Mostly people, or initially at least I thought of blockchain technology as one technology, and then you realize that it's you know, a host of different types of technologies that are now being described under blockchain technology. Some of them had already existed, some of them are fairly new, but the fundamental principles you know, that, that guided kind of the initial development of the cryptocurrency and the rapidity with which the technology had moved beyond just applications in finance to other fields made us realize and is making people realize how it can solve you know other chronic challenges that we have been trying to solve you know with uh, with technologies for decades the fact that it gives control over digital ads assets to the individuals it is distributed and yet secure through cryptography and auditability and can cut down on unnecessary you know middlemen and overhead costs were all very attractive you know for us to learn but then what we are already seeing is its applications in food supply chains. Very interesting. Obviously, it has been used in FDA now for, for drugs, et cetera, and pharmaceuticals. And the other thing that has been very interesting is the help with economic identity for those who are unbankable or unbanked in developing countries. Again, a very social kind of application of this. And so these are all applications that are improving the processes and systems that serve all of us and other humans. So that has been something that I have admired and, and learned more about. So true. Uh, we've seen a big uptick this year, especially during the pandemic, in scholars working on supply chain and also financial inclusion to help with the crisis. But we really want to hear today about the app you built. Tell us about it. So uh, so this started with, because almost like every major city in America is you know, trying to solve this issue of homelessness, which is, to me, it's kind of a visible manifestation of the failure of our health and social system in taking care of people in our communities. A lot of prior work had been done in this area. We learned from literature and practical experience of those who were directly providing these services on how the lack of identity documentation and relevant paperwork is a major barrier 
in rehabilitation and recovery of those who unfortunately find themselves in such a situation. And as we were working with some of these first responders who work with you know, people who are living under the bridges on the sides of the roads, we heard several stories where they had tried to help someone build their lives and then just because they didn't have a birth certificate, they didn't have a driver's license, and the delay of getting that over a few weeks was the difference between somebody being able to recover versus somebody going down that spiral. So we really also understood and as a medical school with our colleagues directly providing primary care services to this population, we also know that the inability of patients to own their data and be able to share it with their providers when needed also made it very difficult for them to, to get the right care. So lack of identity management was kind of highlighted as an important aspect for the homeless, but it, yet it was a problem for everyone because we knew it from our work with health IT and interoperability that the siloed clinical data prevents a lot of providers to get a complete picture of a patient's past history and coordinate care with other team members, other care team members. So as a result, we decided to focus on the problem of how can blockchain technology help us in identity and consent management. So we developed a blockchain identity and consent management system called the MediLinker, M-E-D-I-L-I-N-K-E-R, which will allow patients to share a validated ID with anyone on the blockchain network. So they only have to show a valid government-issued ID at one place, anywhere in the network, and the immutable record can then be shared with every subsequent encounter so they don't have to carry it around. And it also allows the patient to decide what specific data elements in their profile, in their medical records, or their insurance information they would like to share. It helps in interoperability among various electronic medical records and information systems that usually don't talk to each other because of the siloed nature of the data collection in, in healthcare. So we have tested this application on campus using simulated clinical and research environments and asking university students to test various real-world use cases as fake patients. Now, this, this part was specially done for human subjects protection because we wanted to make sure that we are not risking any personal information of an individual during our testing and evaluation phase. So I can really hear why you chose blockchain as a tool to solve for this challenge. It sounds like because it's interoperable, because of the immutability, there's elements of privacy and security. Um, what other features of blockchain, if there are any, also had you realize and discover that this was the right tool to use? Yeah, so I think, I mean, in, in healthcare IT and informatics, I think one of the biggest challenges that because people go to multiple providers you know, to seek care, that their data are usually stored in the database systems of those providers. So as an individual, I have a very fragmented medical history that is distributed over various databases that don't really talk to each other. And one of the things that blockchain provides, which is the control of that data to the individual, so they can mediate that collection of data. So they are the source of the truth for their information. And then they have the power to share it with multiple providers or whoever they want to. It's very unique in the sense that to build that system when the databases are controlled by organizations requires legal permissions and how you share it. And we spend actually literally millions and millions of dollars in trying to fix that problem, which is patient linkage and, identity, and identification of patients accurately, verification of medical records that are in other systems. So 
to me, those are specific things that are very unique to blockchain. And then the fact that it is an auditable record is also very important in healthcare because of you know billing and legal and liability issues, but also for tracking how personal information is being used, which I think as, as more and more of data are being collected electronically, all of us are worried about you know, how our information is being used. And uh, to be able to track that and be transparent about it and accountable about it, again, are just features of blockchain that we would have to probably normally build in other information systems that I find very, very interesting and attractive in terms of using a technology like that. So you said the word legal a couple times. Are these features inherently compliant with rules and regs in healthcare? Yeah, so there are some aspects of it. Obviously, one bigger, biggest piece of um, use of personal information is personal consent. Uh, so if I allow you to use my data, then it's perfectly fine. But if I'm a hospital, then I need several legal things before I can share that data with a third party. So by having the individual control that permission, consent, suddenly solves a lot of legal problems automatically. They go away. I think there are some regulatory issues in terms of collection of data. And that's the part that I think still needs to be explored in terms of where it is stored, who stores it. And there are different, I think, architectures that will have different answers to that question. And that's part of our research is to explore what would be the right setup, the technology and the use of it in blockchain because of the unique features of the sensitivity of the data that is stored and used in in healthcare. So you had a phase one of clinical trials. Is this where your medical students were testing out the app and ensuring that it worked properly? Yeah, so uh, this is our phase one of our research. I mean, which, by the way, just to clarify, is not a formal clinical trial in the strict sense of the word, but a proof of concept, so to speak, in terms of using it. But we have focused on a better understanding of, again, the appropriate platform and testing the functionality in various use cases evaluating the user experience and exploring some of these legal and policy and behavioral issues. So we realized at that time that it would be great that if we can have medical students also involved in this, because this is clearly a technology uh, of the future. It is a foundational technology that can change the way that uh, we manage data and we engage patients. And one of the principles of of our school and curriculum is to get our medical students to be you know, much more directly involved in care and care, seeing care beyond just closed walls of clinics and hospitals, which is like a very traditional model of training medical students. And because we want to rethink health as, a, as an institution, our students are also very motivated about really learning about new ways of, that they can use both technology and, and new models of care. So we had a few students who had some interest in, in technology and then Cole and some of his colleagues came to us with actually the interest of being here and, and we realized that they could also help us in our implementation, but through that also learn you know, some of these applications of technology and the intricacies of healthcare data that are not taught in a formal curriculum or syllabus in medical schools. Well, that sounds like a perfect opportunity to introduce Cole Holland. Cole, tell us a little bit about your experience going through this clinical trial with Andrum. Yeah, so actually, this is one of the big reasons why I chose Dell as a medical school in the first place. 
it's a it's a pretty new school and it was built from the it was built with these as the columns of what they're trying to do is really groundbreaking in trying to change healthcare. So one of the first things I did when I got to Dell was actually reach out reach out to Anjum because I saw his background work in blockchain and trying to, and using that in healthcare as he has just spoken about. So from my experience, it was me and, and two other medical students, uh, Cody and Jeremiah, we, we were able to get our hands on and really help build this from the ground up. None of us have worked in the healthcare sector prior to this. So we don't have a lot of impressions from the current EHR, excuse me, uh, electronic health record system. So I think we bring a unique perspective when discussing kind of how to build out this this trial. Now we can take what we've learned from the trial and apply that to the clinic and then see what we learned from clinic and kind of back and apply that back into a, a new following trial. And it kind of closes the loop. And it's been a really great experience. So you're a second year medical student. You've completed this clinical trial. You've been introduced to this new blockchain technology that can forward your field. How has it informed your work? Or had you are you looking at the rest of your les- lessons through a different lens because you know this technology exists? Yeah, absolutely. I think all students should be exposed to technology like this, especially because it has so much potential. I think it 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 should be honestly it should be a part of every every medical school's curriculum. Most medical school's curriculum is pretty standardized, and I think that there should be more integration of these sorts of things. To go back to the question of how it, how it's informed my my curriculum and, and my um, learning experience, it showed me that healthcare. Well, it has showed me, and it's continuing to show me that healthcare is rapidly evolving and constantly evolving. And students and physicians and everybody in the healthcare sector should be, they should be constant learners. And I think this is a great application of that and a great example of that. So that's how you see it affecting the future of your own practice. Absolutely. Got it. Andrew, have you been presenting on on your research on this and your clinical findings? And and if so, what has been the reception from the public? Yeah, so we have a multidisciplinary team that is involved in this project. Uh, so we are in the stage of compiling our results for wider dissemination. We have been talking to a lot of people on campus and also in the industry about these ideas and and they resonate with uh, what people are doing. The specific results of our study, we are just compiling and we'll be both publishing peer-reviewed journals and also presenting uh, to our colleagues in informatics and healthcare professionals in the next you know few months. And so I know you're going into a phase two. Can you talk a little bit about what that looks like? Yeah, so our our next phase will focus on the aspects that uh, relate to the technology process and people, you know, which are common to any project. And as a university, also as an academic institution, I think what how we approach the technology is with some skepticism and through a scientific and objective approach. So what we realized in our first phase was that the technology part was relatively easier because because of just of the pace of the evolution of this technology in other industries that is helping healthcare. And the process part still needs to be worked out because it is about clinical workflow, it is about trust and management of sensitive data and another challenge is the re-engineering of processes for organizations to accept and utilize this technology. But the people part is actually, to me, is the biggest challenge, which has to be explored. The, the policy, the legal, social, behavioral, ethical issues that are related to the use of identity management systems. That's what we will focus on in our phase. second phase, is make sure that we cover most of the use cases, but also that we carefully look at these aspects that have not normally probably been researched uh, more deeply but yet we feel would be very important in the widespread adoption of this technology in healthcare. 
Got it. You answered my next three questions on, on, on current focus on the future of blockchain and healthcare and what it's going to take to create widespread adoption. So that's great. Yeah, I would just say that it's a it's uh, healthcare. Just generally, we we feel like is a is a team sport. And what we have realized now in the implementation of these projects is that it's not just enough to have engineers and uh, and clinicians work together, but you also need to have ethicists and and legal experts and sociologists to be thinking with you on some of these things. And that's where the academic environment is a really fertile ground to be able to develop that kind of understanding in partnership with the industry. Truly multidisciplined to make it holistic. No, I get that. And then the industry informs what are the current challenges that need to be solved for. Exactly. Absolutely. So where do you want to send people to find out more information on your project and what you're doing? We have initiated an effort to create kind of a blockchain and health impact lab on campus as a hub where discussions like these can take place. Um, So where we can bring together academics and industry partners and healthcare providers, and also engage students as, you know, leaders for tomorrow. But right now I don't have a URL for you, but we will have one. And you all should be talking about this at Ubri Connect, our uh, virtual academic conference in October. So I look forward to that. Within our university network, we'll look forward to that talk as well. Cole, you mentioned that you, you know, it's your opinion that you think more medical schools should incorporate this kind of technology and introduction to the students about how to use it in healthcare. How else have you gone about learning about blockchain? What resources have you used? My initial exposure to blockchain was kind of when when, when Bitcoin took off. I, I was still an undergrad and a lot of my friends were talking about it and they were investing in it. But as I started to learn more about that, and that's just an application of blockchain to the financial sector, I started to realize there's a lot more underlying technology. And I had one one friend that was really into it. So we, we actually read a couple different white papers, Ripple being one of them, and just looking at the different technology and how it can be applied, Ethereum being another one. And I started to realize that this is this is just kind of the tip of the iceberg. And this can start to be applied to a lot of other sectors. Fortunately for me, I was I was looking through medical schools at the same time. So I was trying to cross that over to see what schools are doing this. And almost no schools came up. There was when I type in blockchain and healthcare and medical school, I mean nothing comes up. And I was able I was able to get into Dell. And when I when I looked closer at the faculty at Dell, Andrew came up, Dr. Kirscher came up, and it was great that he responded to my email and was doing these kinds of projects. And I think that this is going to be the foundation for a lot of the the way we conduct healthcare moving forward in the future, especially when I'm a practicing physician. And I just think it would, it's in everyone's benefit if students are trained on this early as they're starting to learn. So hopefully we can, maybe we can start something that informs medical students across the, the country into their curriculum. Yeah, no, that's very useful. I'm often telling people, look at the utility, look at what's being built upon these different blockchains and how it's going to impact us going forward to get a a clue on how it's going to grow. Thank you so much for being with us here today. Thank you for the pioneering work that you're doing. Thank you. Yeah. And and Lauren, I mean, one thing that I think we can just generally promote is also that it is a technology that really requires a very close collaboration between industry partners and academic partners because uh, uh, most of the breakthroughs are happening in the industry. So because the technology is not old enough for academia to have done this over the last 20 years, which they have done in other research areas. So I think this is a kind of a collaboration that is needed in order to advance the technology and its adoption. And we are very glad that, you know, Delmed is one of the 
very few medical schools that have actually looked at this technology in, in terms of its specific applications in healthcare. That's great. Well, it was a pleasure hosting you on Uber's podcast today, all about blockchain. Thank you listeners for tuning in. And if you have any questions about this episode or feedback for new episodes, please reach out to Uber at ripple.com. Looking forward to our next session. Thanks.